with Metro Vancouver's seething gang war. The leaders of Metro's largest police forces came together yesterday to condemn the growing gunplay and violence on the streets of Metro Vancouver. Three murders in the last six days. Have a listen to this here now. This is from Global News, a little montage of some of the mayhem going on out there. The investigation is ongoing. It's a very serious investigation. We continue to believe that uh, this is a targeted killing and that Mr. Dollywell was the intended victim. 20-year-old Bailey McKinney was shot dead near the basketball courts at Town Centre Park at around 6.30. Homicide investigators say their initial findings indicate the killing was targeted. A one-time MMA fighter known for his powerful punch has been knocked out in BC's gang war. Police identifying 46-year-old Todd Gowenberg as the man assassinated outside Langley Sportsplex. All right, some of the highlights here of the street violence we've seen over the last week. On Saturday, you had that deadly shooting and the mayhem in Coal Harbor. Two days later, a man shot dead outside a popular skate park in Coquitlam. On Wednesday, a former gang enforcer shot dead outside the Langley Sportsplex. Okay, we got some great guests coming up on this for you now. And starting with Cash Heed, the former chief of the West Vancouver Police Department. He is the former Solicitor General of British Columbia. I'm pleased to welcome him back to the show. Cash, thanks a lot for coming on. Good morning, Mike. Okay, we see this gang war flaring up big time here this week. What's going on? What are you hearing? Well, it's, uh, the gang war has never settled down. Yeah. We should be alarmed that this continues to take place in public spaces. We have one that occurred in Vancouver. I believe that one uh, will find out who uh, actually committed that horrendous crime, horrendous crime. But let me tell you, we may never find out who actually ordered that particular hit. The other ones are very concerning. What we do know is this behavior continues. The cycle continues. We know that once you hit a high-profile individual, there's almost immediate retaliation, and that seems to be what's playing out here right now. I'm not sure that the two are connected. But if, in fact, the other two are connected, you know, again, it's a a reason to be very, very concerned. We've got law enforcement officials uh, that came out yesterday, and and we've heard this from them before, and it becomes rhetoric because it's podium talking points. It's, you know, saying we're going to come out, we're going to be assertive, we're coming out and we're getting you. But we seem to have this continual behavior. We know this one individual who's number two in the UN gang, he's been involved in this activity for 20 years. We've got this breadth of intel, but we've got very little movement on suppressing and intervening in some of these disputes. Okay, Cash, do you expect that this is going to continue and we'll see more bloodshed and violence and more killings here because it just seems like one hit just breeds another hit and it just continues with the retaliation? I mean, I, I remember watching The Godfather once and there, that, there was that scene where he said, oh, it, it's just business. It's soldiers going after soldiers. It's just business. But I don't know. This seems kind of personal sometimes, too. Like if you take out somebody's one of somebody's brother or something like that, then it's like retaliation uh, for a, like a personal hit job. Absolutely, and it's all based on the bravado attitude of a lot of these gang members. And when you have the easy access to firearms, which we continue to have here in British Columbia, these people are apt to that type of retaliation uh, to deal with their disputes. These are not people that are, are unknown to law enforcement. These are people that have been in the database for several years. We know that they are going to partake in this activity. Uh, the Dollywall Group, have uh, there's been uh, shots fired at the 
them previously. They've been yeah. shot at before. Uh, the individual uh, that was uh, shot in Langley, uh, he's got quite a, quite a record, and we know some of the history behind him. But what we don't have here, Mike, is a comprehensive approach to this particular problem. Yes, we have uh, the uh, assistant commissioner of CFSEU coming out and saying this is uh, going to stop, this is what we're going to do. Yeah, let's see that, but let's hold these people to account to deal with this particular problem because we continue to be uh, you know, at risk when we're in public spaces. The one that happened just not too far from the Bayshore Hotel at uh, a beautiful evening. So yeah. these, are, these are incidents that the public has to be concerned and the public has to ensure that they're on to these policymakers to once and for all deal with it. Because, Mike, we started talking about this 20 years ago and we're right. still talking about it. Yeah, the threat to public safety and, and an innocent bystander getting caught in the crossfire is, is the biggest concern. I mean, every time we see one of these hits, we hear police go to the podium, like you said, and said, well, this is someone who is known to police. This is a targeted shooting. The public is not at risk. But it's not like this stuff is these shootings are happening in indoor controlled spaces or in the dead of night. This is in public. This is happening in daylight. These are like brazen shootings outside a skateboard park where kids are hanging out near a daycare where children are outside a Sportsplex, a community center where lots of people are hanging around. I mean, it's possible that an innocent person could easily get killed here. Well, we've had innocent people killed here in the uh, crossfire previously here in British Columbia. And unfortunately, we haven't in the last few, but let's uh, let's keep our fingers crossed. Mike, what we have to do in addition to this is come up with some type of strategic prosecution here because one of the individuals, uh, well, a few of the individuals that were involved in this are in front of the courts or previously were in front of the courts or should be in front of the courts. We have to make sure our prosecution is administered in a way that we're able to take these people off of the streets if, in fact, they're involved in this behavior. And I've been advocating for this for several years, but we get no movement on it. The other part is police sharing that intel with the community. You know, I, I, you and I have talked about this previously, about having posters up regarding these people. Mm. You know, uh, the assistant commissioner talked about the town line dispute uh, in Abbotsford. We knew about that years ago. We knew who the players were. We continue to know about that. But my number one concern here is the public at risk. You know, these gangbangers are going to continue with their behavior. They're going to continue trying to be Tony Montana from Scarface. Let them do that. But let's not put at jeopardy the lives of innocent people. Let me play a short clip here for you, Cash, from the Assistant Commissioner here, Manny Mann, from the Combined Forces Special Enforcement Unit. And here he was speaking yesterday at this extraordinary police news conference here, talking about what's going on with local gangs. Some of the violence today continues to be connected to the people and groups, and they're almost 20-year-old conflicts. Much of the gang violence prior to 2017 was connected to this two-sided conflict. That, however, has changed in the past four years. Murders involving high-profile gang members, as we have seen in the past, are often a catalyst for violence between these groups and those aligned with them. Today's gang conflict, which has evolved over the past four years, is emerging of the Townland Hill conflict and a number of other regional and historical conflicts. New groups have entered into the gang landscape that has resulted in more conflict. Okay, Assistant Commissioner Manny Mann there, and you touched briefly on this, Cash, but what do you think the police need to do? Like, what should be priority one, job one right now? 
suppress the activity, get out there. And I, I can tell you, and I'm, I'm not revealing any, any secrets, we should have 24-7 surveillance on these people that we know are going to be retaliatory in their efforts or, in fact, we need to make sure that we are able to get their images, their pictures, and everything out to the public. We've done it before, Mike, and yeah. we can do it again. You've got to put all your resources you can into intervening in this particular uh, scenario that we've has been played out again and hopefully won't be played out. But unfortunately, uh, it's going to be played out over the next little while. Vancouver will uh, have some success in that one, and I'm I'm sure of that. But again, are we getting to the root cause? Are we getting uh, to to who is actually, uh, you know, making these people a target? No, we're not, Mike, and that's what we have to do. We need law enforcement to be accountable to us. Okay, Kashid, thank you for coming on this morning. My pleasure. Oh, it's a huge day here in the fight against COVID-19 in British Columbia. The breaking news here this morning, those travel restrictions just announced by the B.C. government. No non-essential travel outside of your health authority effective immediately. Some of the boundaries here are critical to know about the Fraser and the Vancouver Coastal Health Authorities combined into one for this travel order. You cannot travel outside of those two health authorities for non-essential reasons. The Northern and the Interior Health Authorities also combined. $575 fine for breaking the rules. And the government's still talking about those police roadblocks and checkpoints to be set up later. The government's saying they're in consultation with police right now. We've seen some resistance from the police about these road checks. Uh, the government saying they'll give extra funding for police departments to set these up. You could expect to see these roadblocks set up outside of ferry terminals, Highway 1, the Coquihalla, the Hope Princeton Highway in the coming days, perhaps as early as next week. Now, one of the things that Mike Farnworth, the Solicitor General, talked specifically about there was people who are going out of town to get an ICBC road test. He says that is going to be shut down here, again, to prevent non-essential travel. Let's check in now with Steve Wallace, owner of Wallace Driving School. I'm pleased to welcome him back to the show. Hey, Steve. Hey, good morning, Mike. Hey, Steve, you're, I know you're a keen observer of everything that's going on in B.C. These travel restrictions coming in, in in British Columbia right now, you're a guy who spends a lot of time behind the wheel. You've driven all around the province. I mean, we're already getting a lot of calls from people wondering uh, if, if these rules are even enforceable. Do you think this is good, what the government's doing here? Do you think it'll be effective? Um, I think it'll be effective. I think they're doing the right thing, albeit it's a little late. I mean... I can't go anywhere without seeing an Alberta license plate. Um, I can't go anywhere without seeing an Ontario It's the strangest thing. And they're certainly not flying their vehicles here. Uh, so I think that the government simply saw what was happening and decided, hey, we got to act. And, and that's what he did this morning. They're putting, yep. up, they're putting up signs at the Alberta-BC border. Do not enter. You know, they're not putting a roadblock, so they're just putting up signs. Yeah, I think that... Um, in Canada, we've never really brought the hammer down. It's more like it's a individual responsibility, and we're all on the same team, and that's what the government's hoping is going to happen. hasn't worked up to now. Okay, Steve, let's talk about this issue around ICBC out-of-town road tests, and Mike Farnworth, Solicitor General, talked about this specifically this morning, and here's what he had to say. ICBC, to contact their customers who have booked road tests outside their health authority and offer them another booking within their own region, if appropriate. 
Okay, so that's the Solicitor General this morning here in these out-of-town road tests. This is something that you've been flagging for a long time, Steve, with people with backlogs for to get a road test at ICBC in some parts of the province, people looking to get one out of town. Is that still going on? It is going on, not to the same extent in Victoria, but in Nanaimo it is. What's happened is they hired another 80 examiners, and most all of them went to the Lower Mainland. So when I brought it up before, I got hammered. It was uh, they, The government said, oh, there's only 2% of the people in that jurisdiction. It's not a big deal, and so on. So I kind of laid off it. But when I talked to my buddies in Nanaimo, they told me that some of it, sometimes they, they calculated up to 25% of the people. So it's easy to go from Horseshoe Bay over take your test and then come back. So um, as, as the minister had said, probably Victoria was not anywhere near the kind of problem that they were having in the Nanaimo. And, and the problem that you have now is that if they allow this, it's like transporting the virus. And I had a guy phone me the other day and I said, how old are you? He said, I'm 30. I said, uh, and you want uh, to rent my car for the road test? Yes, I do. Well, um, have you had the vaccine? Yes, I have. I said, no, they're only giving it to 70-year-olds. Don't don't be lying to me, number one. And stay in your own home base and see you later. Goodbye. So we have a lot of the requests from people to, oh, let's rent the car for the road test. Well, that happens in Vancouver a lot. It happens. It doesn't happen in Nanaimo very much because there's a lot of one-car operators. So if that car gets smashed up, they're out of business for two weeks. So they religiously guard their vehicles in that particular milieu. It's not like Vancouver where... Half the driving schools are just poor excuses for car rental facility for the road test. Okay, we're already getting calls from people on this uh, issue around out-of-town ICBC tests. Maybe, maybe people have already got their road test book for an out-of-town test if there's a, a wait where they live. And it sounds like, according to what the minister had to say this morning, that some of those are going to be canceled now to prevent people from traveling outside their home, outside their home community. Have a listen to this here, Steve. This is a call we just got on the buzz line this morning uh, with people calling on this issue. Here it is. My... Um concern or question involves uh, people coming from outside the area uh, to take a road test for commercial purposes, and it looks like ICBC is going to have to cancel those tests, but it's pretty common for people, for whatever reason, uh, they can't get either training um, or testing in their particular region, so they come out to take a a truck test. Uh, They rent hotel rooms to do it. and it's for work, so this isn't for pleasure, it's work. So it doesn't seem there's been a distinction made between, um, uh, you know, Class 5 licenses for car drivers and then, say, Class 1 truck licenses. Okay, that's a really good point that the caller raises there. Steve, your thoughts, because we're told that trucking is an essential service, we've got to keep the supply lines moving, and that this, this uh, non-essential travel ban won't apply to truck drivers, for example. So your thoughts? It should not try to apply to truck drivers. 97% of everything we get, food, clothing, and everything else, comes from truckers. So yeah. keep them on the road, and if the exception is for them, that's probably a decent exception. But what about for somebody who's trying to get a, a truck license, and, and they've booked an out-of-town road test? Do you think there should be a, an exemption for that? Uh, pro- there probably should be an exemption for it, because the uh, trucking tests are pretty tough to get. Plus, that particular course is in the thousands of dollars. Uh, in order to get that Class 1 license through any of the accredited driving schools. So I would be making an exception for them if I was the minister. Do you think, Steve, when they bring in these restrictions and they're telling people, okay, you can't drive from the lower mainland into the interior, you can't drive from Metro Vancouver 
to Vancouver Island. We're going to have restrictions on BC ferries. You can't bring an, a recreational vehicle aboard a ferry anymore. Do you think there's going to be conflict on, on something like this? I mean, do you think we could have people breaking the rules widespread, or do you think people are going to knuckle down and go along with this? I think you're going to have people abide by the restrictions. All you have to do is turn on any television or listen to any radio station and see what's happening in Ontario and Quebec, and people should be fearing for their lives out here. Yeah, we're we're on an island in in Vancouver Island. You got places like Prince Edward Island. You got places like Cape Breton and so on. Those island communities, with the exception of the island of Montreal, uh, are all pretty well. They're doing a great job, and it's because of geography. And as such, I think that there's got to be some attesting to to, to just present day logic that keeps people away from other jurisdictions. But I want to tell you other another thing, Mike, is that. When people are taking a look at how they can get a road test, you can't get a road test now until October. And the reason is wow. because it's because they haven't sorted out their holidays yet. So they've only got so many boards to run. And as soon as they sort out the holidays, then there'll be more available tests sooner to the whole process. But that's, that's not out of the norm. And when we started up after being out and not being able to test for 20 months, the backlog was for months and months and months and used to only be able to book a road test three months in advance, but they pushed yeah. that way back to six months and, and even further uh, to accommodate. So you've got people now and the stress is I'm in my car. I want to be alone. I want a car license. I don't want to be riding my bike. I don't want to be riding the bus. I don't want to be taking a cab. So we have more business now than we've ever had in the driving school business for reasons that singleton units traveling is what the consumer wants until this pandemic is over. All right, welcome back to the show. My guest is Steve Wallace. Your calls to him, 604-280-9898 is the number to call. Star 9898, toll free in your cell. Nick in Surrey. Hey, Nick. Hey, uh, Mike, thanks for taking the call. Uh, sure. I've got a question, not so much, uh, uh, you know, ICBC related, but uh, my son purchased a puppy from um, a breeder out in uh, Kelowna area, and we were all set up to go pick it up on May 8th. And oh. now with the restrictions, now with the restrictions um, yeah. we're kind of in limbo now because for us, that's very essential, waiting for the puppy. It's a new addition to the family. Um you know, we're just going to go there, pick it up, and come back. We're not planning to stay overnight or anything like that, but this is really concerning, and uh, just wondering if you can... Uh, well, you, can you any, know, uh, I'm, I'm taking a look down the uh, list of allowed uh, exemptions to the travel ban, and I do not specifically see picking up a puppy on the list. However, I don't know. I mean, if you get stopped at a roadblock, and a cop says, where are you going? And I'm, you're saying, going to pick up a puppy. I don't know. Is that police officer really going to turn you around? I, I I don't know. Steve, what do you think? I don't think he is. I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> you might have to give the, the number of the breeder or whatever. But, uh, yeah. you know, the cops are probably the greatest masters of logic that I've met. Yeah, I think it would be pretty logical to say, uh, yeah, go and get your puppy and then go straight home with your puppy. But good luck with that one. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Ryan in Vancouver. Hey, Ryan. Hi, Mike. Uh, I hate to say it, but I do agree with the travel restrictions, but they're not our top priority. They're one of a hundred things that we ought to be restricting now, and they're not even in the top ten with open borders. We're not even trying to uh, go for COVID zero. I mean, all this is just a drop in the bucket. Who the hell cares? That's 
Well, a lot of people, thank you for the call. A lot of people are looking at these restrictions and say, well, you know, why aren't you shutting down YVR? Now, they did yesterday ground flights from India and Pakistan where COVID is out of control. And I think that's certainly the right idea. Probably a classic case of uh, closing the barn door after all the horses have run away. But they should have done it earlier, but they did it. Meanwhile, the border between BC and Alberta is still open. It's, it, I find it interesting they're putting up roadblocks inside of BC to stop you moving around the province, but you can still drive in across the border from Alberta. They're just putting up a sign there, not a roadblock. Steve in Vancouver. Hey, Steve. Hey, hey, thanks for having me on. Sure. You know what? This is all about being reactive instead of being proactive. This is way too late. Um, I don't have a problem with these restrictions. Um, you know, it's unfortunate they flight, they shut down the flights from India because I know people have gone to India and now they can't get back. Yeah. They're the same yeah. as the people in Nepal who were listening. And, and they said there could be some travel restrictions. So if you're going to travel outside the country, I call it the yabats and the what ifs. And all the yabats and the what ifs have happened. So, yeah, um, it's a small price to pay. Let's get this under control. It's about saving people's lives. Um, and let's get on with getting back to normal. Okay, Steve, thanks for the call. What do you think, Steve Wallace? Do you think they're too late here? They should have got tougher earlier? Probably, but, you know, you got 2020 hindsight. Uh, Who am I to say? All I know is that we can all get vaccinated by about August, uh, maybe July, and I think we're going to get those new vaccines uh, from the U.S. I know Trudeau is doing something on that. Uh, and so when the new vaccines come in from the U.S., we had a new supply. It could be that we're all vaccinated by the summer, and, oh. and this is in the rearview mirror. Let's hope. Let's go to Kevin and, Kevin in Cloverdale. Hey, Kevin. Hey, how's it going, Mike? Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, yeah, just a couple of concerns with the uh, travel ban. First of all, I don't think it's going to work, and I say that because we've been traveling in Canada for the last year um, since the start, really, of COVID, and it's demonstrated that, that we can still go about our lives and we need to have uh, some balance between travel and, and, and safety. But I don't think shutting down the province and, and restricting mobility rights at a provincial level uh, is even lawful when you look at the charter rights being federal legislation and they're using Emergency Measure Act provincial powers to do it. And I think Farnsworth made a good point that the fines being given out will be discretionary. I think that's really because police yeah. probably don't plan to hand out a lot of fines because they understand that people need to travel around and, you know, what's, uh, what's critical. Well, are they going to, like, are they going to give you a fine? They're going to give you a fine for something that you're, you're going to do? Like, it's almost like future crime out of a, out of a science yeah. fiction movie, you know? Like, well, when you think, when you think of check stop points, um, when they're doing it for road, like for impaired driving, that's because they're looking specifically for impaired drivers, which is a right. criminal offense. Yeah. These, these are not criminal offenses and, uh, you know, I think that they're they're treading on thin water. I wouldn't want to be the officer giving out tickets if this gets Well, the police, this is why, thank you for the call. We're out of time. But, you know, this is why the police, I think, have pushed back on it. I think there's some police officers are nervous about it. And whether it's legal or constitutional will maybe at some point get tested in court. Personally, I think it'll it'll stand up and, and uh, withstand any kind of court challenge. Steve, it's always great to have you on the show. Thank you for coming on today. Hey, thanks for the opportunity, Mike, and have a good rest of your day. All right, welcome back to the show. Let's talk about the TV streaming service revolution and the fierce competition among content providers. Yes, it is the streaming wars and the combatants are, you know, all these names, Netflix, Prime Video, Disney Plus, Crave. Hulu. It seems like there's more and more of these services coming online all the time. Which one is the best? 
Are they worth the money? Well, we know who's king of the hill here. I remember when Disney Plus started up and a lot of these new competitors came in line in the streaming market. People were wondering if Netflix would remain king of the castle. Well, look what their stock price has done ever since Disney Plus launched back in 2019. Netflix stock is up 87%. Why didn't I buy Netflix stock? I never, I always miss these things. All right, what about the streaming sector here and the growth of these streaming services? Have a listen to this here now. This is Steve Mossup, the president of Insights West. They did a recent interesting survey on this, and here he is in conversation with Simi. Have a listen. Just the amount uh, that, that people are consuming it really caught me off guard. If you look at, uh, there's 82% of Canadians who currently have a streaming service. But half of them, 50%, acquired that service in the past 12 months. So think of that growth. It's, you know, it's over 100% growth in a year. And, of course, Netflix is up there. But, uh, you know, we all saw the advent of Disney Plus and Amazon Prime. It's just fascinating to think that, you know, half of all subscriptions occurred in the past 12 months. Okay, yeah, lots of growth in these streaming services and the fierce competition as well. Let's discuss now with my guest, David Friend, the very fine entertainment reporter at the Canadian Press. And I'm very pleased to welcome him back to the show. Hiya, David. Hey, how's it going? I'm doing great. Thanks a lot for doing this. So this is really interesting how these uh, services have grown and Netflix continues to be, I guess, the top of the hill here, right? Even though they got all this competition, Netflix really hanging in there. Yeah, the pandemic certainly gave them a shot in the arm, and we've uh, seen more and more people watching more and more hours of Netflix over the past year. Yeah, do you think the uh, the pandemic has been good for all these streaming services, like a lot of people just staying home and watching? I think it has. I mean, for one, yeah, you do have people home a lot more. Obviously, that means they're turning on their TV, even if it's on in the background instead of going to the movies or going out to a sporting event. But um, I think you're you're also seeing this uh, this competition where more people are turning off broadcast television and moving to streaming. So some of the the folks who are a bit more reluctant to, you know, stop watching NBC and CTV, they're they've now gravitated towards the the new technology, if we want to call it that. Okay. Let's talk about some of these major streaming services here, David, and some of the shows on on offer here and our producer Sarah Hyde has put together some fun, some fun montages here. Now, let's start with Netflix and some of the hit shows on there. Have a listen to this. This is some of the big hits on Netflix here. My name is Lady Whistledown. You do not know me, but I know you. This is Hawkins. I know the worst thing that's ever happened here in the four years I've been working here. It was when an owl attacked Eleanor Gillespie's head because it thought that her hair was a nest. It's a dangerous game to make enemies left, right, and center. Not if one is comfortable with having enemies. Are you? Oh, yes. I jumped forward and got stuck in the future. Do you know what I found? Absolutely nothing. When's it supposed to happen? In eight days. Okay, he's heard some of the big hits on Netflix there. You heard Bridgerton, Stranger Things, The Crown umbrella academy i mean they just continue to knock out the hits here david what's been the secret of their success over there would you say well i think it's partly 
due to their algorithms, which uh, make are, seem to be making shows these days that hit on a lot of uh, different genres. So uh, a show um, that, like Shadow and Bone, which c- came out today on Netflix, it's a science fiction series, but it sort of taps into the appeal of Game of Thrones fans. But it's also, a, it angles a little bit towards teens, but not too much to keep adults uh, from being interested in the show. I think that one's going to be a big hit for them, um, and they've spent a lot of money on it. Okay, what about the competition here heating up as the year goes forward? It's it's fascinating to watch these streaming wars, and the pandemic has been good for business, it appears, for these streaming services, but I also know that it, it's disrupted a lot of the productions uh, on some of these uh, services too, right? A lot of their content has been slowed down because of the uh, the, the pandemic and the, uh, the the roadblocks that's put up for TV production. Yeah, basically what we saw last year was because movie theaters were shut down, a lot of the streamers took content that they either owned, programming that they owned, and put it on the service, but they also acquired films from some of the big Hollywood studios that were looking to sell off things that they kind of, I don't know if I want to say they were losers, but they saw these movies as maybe not being like the biggest hits. So you saw stuff like Coming to America go to Amazon, for example. Um, but this year, you're going to see the streamers sort of playing catch-up. Last year, they had a lot of production issues with COVID. Now they seem to have figured that out. So a lot of the delayed shows will be headed to the streamers. So, for example, um, Amazon has, a, has a, an 11-part series called The Underground Railroad that comes out, I believe, next month. And that's from Barry Jenkins, who's the director of Moonlight, um, which won the Best Picture at the Oscars uh, years back. So that show is going to be hotly anticipated if you have Amazon Prime. Um, then Apple. Uh, they're going, they've been giving a lot of their users free Apple for the past year and a half. If you signed up right. for, uh, or purchase one of their, their, uh, phones, but they're going to be ending that in the summertime and hoping that more people start subscribing. It happens to be around the same time as they're returning the hit series, Ted Lasso to oh, sec- yeah. a second season. So that's going to heat up competition. Apple really wants people to stay with them. Um, and then you have Disney rolling out a bunch of Star Wars stuff and, of course, Marvel. I, you know, for me, I only have so many hours in the day. So <laughs> I wonder yeah. how many people are going to pay for all these. No, it's amazing. Uh, they've called this peak TV, and uh, for a reason, there's so much content coming out. A lot of it is is fantastic. You mentioned uh, Disney+. Plus. And let's listen to some of their uh, hits. And as you mentioned, they've got they've got Marvel, they got Star Wars, and you're going to hear some of their content here. Here's some of the Disney Plus hits. Wanda and Vision. Oh, we have five pets. This is our home now. I want us to fit in. Oh, this is going to be a gas. Bounty hunting is a complicated profession. Don't you agree? Superheroes cannot be allowed to exist. I have no intention to leave my work unfinished. Vision there, the Mandalorian, and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier there, a lot of the hits on Disney+. Plus. There was a lot of hype, David, for this streaming service when it came online. How is Disney doing, in your opinion? They've been doing great. I mean, they, they've grown at a rate that I don't think anyone anticipated. Obviously, they're Disney, so they have a great name behind them, and their price point has been lower than Netflix by several dollars, which makes it easier to sign up, I think, for a lot of families. Plus, they have a bunch of great content. So I, I think they're they're the real competitor to Netflix. The question is, can anyone else sort of sneak in there? I mean, Apple hasn't proven itself yet in that sense, but there's still time. 
Okay, of course, you got Jeff Bezos has to have a piece of the action here, uh, no matter what kind of business is going on. So, of course, Amazon Prime uh, running, and I got that at home. We got the Prime video going, and there's some hit shows on there. Let's have a listen to some of their hits. What we're seeking here is information. What were your duties there? I don't know. Men in general run around telling everyone that only men are funny. Comedy is fueled by disappointment and humiliation. Now, who the hell does that describe more than women? What is this? Newsreel film. It shows us winning the war. But we didn't win the war. Okay, you heard Homecoming there, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and The Man in High Castle. Just one of the other, one of the players here in the streaming wars, David. Uh, where does Amazon Prime fit in here, in your opinion? Well, I think the benefit you have with Amazon is the Prime video service is kind of a bonus. A lot of people yeah. sign up for Prime because of the shipping and, and the, the other perks that come with it. And they get the video service on top of it. Now, that's been a big advantage to Amazon because I think they get a lot of viewers on their programming that they might not otherwise have. Um, for Amazon, the equation is kind of different. They want a big you know, model where they're getting all sorts of corners of the market, not just television. But uh, great shows on there, too. They, they put a lot of money into their productions, and I think you can see it on the screen. Okay, we didn't even get into Hulu and Crave and all these other ones. So when you take a look down the list, I mean, you're a guy, you, you know, you write about television for a living, David, but even you probably don't have, like you said, enough time, hours in the day to watch everything. Like, which ones to you are, like, the best or worth the money? I mean, I think most people still need to have Netflix in their house. I have yeah. had some friends who told me recently that they've been getting a bit tired of what Netflix is offering. I've been hearing that for about a year now. Obviously, the pandemic changed everything. But um, I'm curious to see if some people start canceling. Netflix is still going to be the dominant streamer, as, as far as I'm concerned, with Disney close up there. You know, what I find interesting over the next year is movie theaters are eventually going to open again. And so yeah. some of the benefit that we've seen with streamers will fade in a way. I don't want to overplay it, but at some point... Some people are going to want to get back to the cinemas. First big movie that we're going to see that hasn't been on a streamer is Quiet Place 2 at the end of May. Will Canadians be able to see it in a theater? I don't know. But um, it, 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 it offers some threat to the streamers in terms of how many hours people are going to spend and how many people want to pay for at home. When you say, will Canadians be able to see it, is that because it's anticipated like theaters will open up in the States before here? Yeah, theaters yeah. in the U.S. Are, have largely been reopening. Uh, King Kong versus Godzilla opened there to pretty good numbers for you know getting things back into action down there. I believe there were less than ten movie theaters open in Canada on around the time that launched. So nobody really had seen that movie in a the theater in Canada wow. just because our COVID numbers are worse. All right, talking about the uh, streaming wars really heating up. Netflix versus Disney Plus versus Crave versus Hulu versus Apple TV. It just keeps going and going. Producer Tim French joins me now. I know he likes uh, he likes his TV. What's your favorite show again? Well, my favorite show right now is on Crave, and it's called Letterkenny. It is an yeah. absolute gem of a show. I have never watched anything that has made my sides hurt from laughter so much. Actually, here, I have the trailer for it. Have a listen. Okay. Oh, bitter patter. Let's get at her. Go time! You guys do CrossFit? Well, come on, kitten. I won't tell anyone. I would snort her dandruff. Safety off. That was well brought up. Too bad you weren't. 
You guys want to dance? Eyes on your own work there, Super Chief. You're an idiot. You're an idiot. You're an idiot. He's a... Wait. You're an idiot. Okay, I used to work with a guy who used to say, pitter-patter, let's get at her all, all the time. It was funny to hear that come up as a catchphrase. What do you love about the show? I yeah. love just the, the writing is so tightly written that just one word taken out of any specific sentence, it just the whole thing falls apart. So it's so beautifully written and the comedy is just top notch. Okay, I got to check it out. I've only seen the trailers, I've never, <laughs> which I think are funny. I've never seen an actual episode, but I think I will now. Highly let's recommend. Take, let's take a few phone calls here. Taryn and Surrey, hi. Hi there. How are you guys? I'm good. Go ahead. Good. I'm just calling. We have um, pretty much every single streaming service in our house, except for Hulu. I have done Hey You, um, but I will say for sure my husband loves Letter Kenny. And <laughs> if I was to pick between Disney, Crave, and even Netflix, um, probably Crave is pretty top notch. Um, Netflix creeps up there, but Apple, my only problem with Apple is you constantly have to pay for additional stuff. Mm. So if you pick something, you either have to rent it or, you know, and before you know it, if one of the kids are touching it, they've now bought a $20 movie and Netflix is 20 bucks a month. You know what I mean? So it's, that was my only complaint about Apple, but 100%, um, you need it during a pandemic. I think every house, there should just be a bundle and we can get them all. It, it all becomes essential, Taryn. Thank you very much for the call. Yeah, a lot of people are watching these services. Uh, Netflix has become almost like essential for people to have, I think, and some of these other streaming services as well. But you're right. I mean, the cost does start to add up after a while. Let's take another one here. Ian on the line from Vancouver Island. Hi, Ian. Hey, guys. How are you? I'm good. Go ahead. Awesome. Uh, I just want to say I have four streaming services. I think it's Dis- Disney, Netflix, Crave, and Prime. And I think when it comes down to it, it totally depends on content. Like, you know, Disney Plus has uh, Marvel and all Star Wars. And then when it comes to Disney, that's the only place you can watch Disney, right? So I think it depends on what you need, like want to watch. And I think all of them are pretty good right now. <laughs> okay, are they all worth the money? Um, I would say so. I'm not big on Disney. I'm more, I, I would say, Netflix and prime probably but the yeah. wife watches disney all the time so <laughs> would you say you're watching you're watching more during the pandemic let's say over the last year yeah actually it's funny yesterday i just canceled cable completely because i've only been watching netflix and crave surprisingly so yeah okay and thanks a lot for the call that's well, really thank interesting you. uh thank you and the the streaming war is just heating up and i think it's going to get even more fierce in the competition as we go forward, especially when we get out of the pandemic and the pressure to hang on to the market share will be intense for sure.